We are now one week into the new year and everybody's got resolutions. Most people do. And how you achieve those though, can you simply just speak them into existence or do you actually have to work for what you're trying to achieve? Let's go. Hey there, I'm Thomas. And I'm Sam. And this is the Silent Planet Podcast. We are one week into the new year. Not right now, for us, we're recording this on New Year's Eve, but this is coming out on the first Friday after. So, uh, yeah, one week in. I don't, that's the thing. Donald Trump apparently had some announcement that he's making or something's happening. He wants everybody to join him on the 6th of uh, January. So this will be after that. I don't know. Maybe you've got a new president. Maybe you're really pissed off (laughs) because Donald Trump is your president again. I'm not sure, but... uh, I'll say this. We finally got to see Wonder Woman and we're severely disappointed. Yep. It was very, very yep. upsetting. Hey, incidentally, the uh, the with the opening and all that, the whole like speak it into existence, believe it strong enough and you can manifest <laughs> it. That was yeah. kind of Maxwell Lord's thing. Yeah. Even before he got his magic juju. Just you say, know, yeah, yeah that's he, right. he believed in the secret. Right. Um, if, if you've seen that, I think that's on Netflix, whatever. The idea that all these rich people, their their secret of success is that if you just really believe it, it'll somehow manifest itself. And yeah. Then, well, yeah. Right. There, there might be some Good validity to that as far as like maybe a mental success type thing. Like if I believe, like since I'm overweight, if I believe that I'm going to eat right today, if I believe that I'm a bodybuilder, then maybe eventually, as long as I use that motivation and use that to not go to McDonald's 40 times a week, maybe I'll get there. Well, that's also in the realm of things you can control, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's different, being like, I'm going to not manifest this, but I have absolute control over my diet. I have absolute control over my, my exercise routine, and you can make a you know, decision to go one way or the other on that. Right. The, the secret's bigger than that, though. It's like manifesting stuff you have no control over. Right. Right. Which kind of, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which kind of Other goes into- people and, you know, <laughs> the, the the nature of providence and, and what's going to happen in the future and all of that's going to change just because you have good thoughts about it. Yeah, I don't think so. Didn't work for Maxwell Lord. I wasn't too happy with that as a story arc either because in the comics, he's a lot closer to like a Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. He's a lot more calculating on it. Yeah. He, wouldn't be, he wouldn't be standing by waiting on wishful thinking. Yeah. He just wasn't a very deep character. Yeah. You know. Well, and there's this thing. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw a spoiler, spoiler alert or spoiler warning or whatever because I don't know how much we get it. we're going to get into that movie specifically. But here it, you it go. It wouldn't be worth our time. It's, it really wouldn't be. <laughs> it's but not worth it's it. Been, it's been a week since the movie came out, more like two weeks actually uh, at this point that you're hearing it. So here's your spoiler warning. If you are listening, I'm probably going to say some spoilers. So turn us off or whatever and listen to us later. Anyways, I... I Dude, every villain of a movie usually needs to get justice, unless the whole point is to not, you know, to show mercy. But th- this, this, this movie, he didn't get any justice. He just kind of got to walk away from ha- halfway destroying the entire world, and then randomly go find his son and have no justice. He had whatsoever. people killed. There was not even a, a there's fight no scene. resolution to that. The people that had been killed yeah. because of his actions are still dead. Right. You know, there's no take back on that. <laughs> yeah. No take, no take backsies. 
it it had a lot of problems yeah. story wise. It had a lot of problems. It Once, was it's lazy like, and sloppy. Y- you can say like Captain America's unrealistic just because they don't have a serum. Iron Man's unrealistic because we don't have nanotechnology. You can say things like that, but this was ridiculous in in other ways. Like so far, this is like more uh, Batman, like the earlier Tim Burton Batman movie ridiculous like batman returns or something like or no batman forever sorry yeah like that it was that level of ridiculousness you're, you're trying to like how dare you bring any logical consistency into our our film or our story well yeah because we expect that yeah. a good story has still some element of coherency yeah right and if you're going to ignore obvious coherence we'll suspend disbelief in some things because that's the nature of the movie the nature of the movie when you're dealing with people with superpowers is they have superpowers, but it's still within a world that operates just like ours does. Yeah. So theoretically speaking, most things are going to fall when you let go of them, you know, and so we should see the consequences of those actions. And, and you know, we're just going to ignore that <laughs> for this one. Right. And we're going to do things and then just kind of forget we did them five minutes ago yeah. in the movie. Yeah, uh, it's a problem. It'd be it'd be silly for me, for me and, and my own personality to not comment on the ridiculous um, feminist aspects of the movie too. Not that I'm anti-feminist. I mean, if you want to go back to like proper, true definition of feminism, then yes, I'm a feminist. But I'm not a third wave lunatic. Right. Anyways, this whole movie, both of I the female men. leads. I hate men. No, both of the female <laughs> leads constantly. Like through multiple, like six, seven scenes are constantly being sexually badgered by men. Like constantly. I could imagine, you know, if a woman walks into a party like really, really well dressed and she looks great, that you're going to have one guy that can't stop looking at her, maybe two. But like they are constantly stopped verbally and physically by men through the entire movie well, on their, their looks. I'm like, that's not. I could see that with uh, Gail Godot. Gal, Gal Godot. Gal, yeah. She, I mean, maybe, but that's same. She's probably seen the the lower <laughs> trenches I just, to which I a man know. will go in his pursuit of a woman. Because I she's still think that that was pretty way woman. over the top. Maybe I could see it once or twice, not like twelve times per woman, mm. and that was ridiculous. Anyways, so the whole point uh, of us bringing Wonder Woman up is this whole idea of speak it into existence stuff. Um, yeah, which more lines up with and, the. The prosperity gospel and prosperity, stuff. Prosperity, yeah. And how how well did the prosperity gospel work this last year? <laughs> that was the other yeah. thing we can bring up Wonder Woman about. Like, I really, really wanted that to be another thing that 2020 gave us. Yeah. All we got, all we got from that whole sloppy year was the Mandalorian. Which was enough, actually. Which, which was excellent. I, I, but I, I was really would. hoping for another home run. I was hoping we would get a good wonder woman film also to cap that off yeah um uh cobra kai doesn't count because uh and and, well it it hasn't as of our recording time but by the time we're listening to this (laughs) i will have watched cobra kai too because that drops like new year's day let's let's not shoot ourselves in the foot again yeah on our last episode we talked about i am going to prophesy that that will be (laughs) awesome um, but that counts as a win for 2021. That doesn't count as a 2020 yeah. win. So I was hoping Wonder Woman would give us one more thing to get excited for, and it no. did not. No, it no, did no. not. This last year was a sloppy poop fest. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and the only thing we got it's was a wet Mandalorian. pair of socks. Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, and and uh, even those that are at the top of the prosperity gospel game, um, this was not a harvest year for them. Right, I don't think anyone, anyone in the prosperity gospel realm, your Kenneth Copeland or your Joel Olsteins or any of those guys, did better this last year. They got through it, yeah, because they had so much already going in. But you know, was their faith somehow lax this last year? Yeah, because it kind of falls on you if you don't do well prosperity wise, it's because your faith wasn't strong enough. So, and that's, so yeah, that kind of gets into one of my bigger points about this stuff because I've had conversations with people about it and I, I generally, I generally have this. So like, I, as I've said before, and we've even talked about prosperity gospel on this podcast once or twice in a smaller capacity, not a whole episode based on it, but right. um, yeah, like I'm not opposed to the idea that God can just wave his hand and do something like, that's not what I, what I mean when I say that I don't think this stuff actually happens. But what I, what I really get to is this idea that. If I say something, it'll speak it into existence. Whether it's good or bad, it doesn't matter. Like uh, I, and I'm not going to name names. This is not. And, and if you are listening, whoever said this to me, it's not a dig against you. You know, you're you're more important than that. I'm not going to be a jerk. But I was told I, I made a joke. I coughed and made a joke. I was like, oh, I got COVID again. Because like, if you all are listening, you know, I had COVID um, back in November. Uh, Thanksgiving time. Mm-hmm. I got over it. I coughed, made a joke later on and said, Oh, I got COVID again. And I was immediately stopped and corrected. Oh, don't say that. You'll speak it into existence. I was like, um, doesn't work that way. I don't think that's the it case. It doesn't work that you know? way. That's just not <laughs> how it works. Well, and I said, where's the big biblical scripture to, to back up the fact that if I say as a joke, I'm going to get COVID again, that I'll get COVID again. And obviously that we, we didn't whip out now, our Bibles. Neither you nor I nor anyone else can actually speak anything into existence. Yeah. Only God can speak into existence. Yeah. So the fact that that, that that whole idea makes us much more important than we ought to think ourselves. Well, <laughs> right? So that we are not that important. That draws me to another point. So... Um, this is a question I've posed to somebody as well. And, and at the time, and it's the thing, I haven't had this conversation with them in a little while, but at the, at that time they said, yeah, that's an answer that I just don't have yet. I'm still looking for that answer. But I, I was like in this, uh, prosperity gospel section of Christianity, there is an awful lot of people that have, they're like wheelchair bound or terminally ill or have mm-hmm. all of these really, really horrible diseases that, that, that you could say arguably follow that ideology Closer than most people follow any type of religion. Right. They are dead set, sold out. This is how Christianity works. And yet with this prosperity gospel stuff, they're still in the wheelchairs. They're right. still, you know, six months away from their deathbed. And and that's the question is why? So two things here. So one, if that's how it works, then all of their faith, like across the board, wide spectrum, isn't good enough for God, which biblically speaking is not the fact, not, right. not factual, but widespread none of them are good enough to to actually make this happen or two it simply just doesn't work that way yeah and and where where are we going to like let go and say okay maybe it doesn't work this way and i should start you know reanalyzing the scriptures and and find out you know where to go from here versus like blind uh willing ignorance and and in the most respectful way possible i'll keep saying that because this is touchy territory for some christians i I don't want to be offensive to you if you believe this but this is like as a Christian who's doing a podcast, which I, I, I'm a little less concerned. I know so you are. yeah, don't get mad at no, Thomas. I, 
if you know Thomas you and, you, yeah, and, and you hear me say something, I'm not going to be quite as um, as putting on the kid gloves, so to speak, when it comes yeah. to this. Because I, I don't necessarily, I can't put my finger mentally on somebody I'm worried about offending. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, I when, might punch a little bit harder. When don't I say get it, mad at Thomas. When I say it, I... I I have to follow it up with the only reason I'm going to continue to do it. Cause I, I'm a feeler like emotionally, I'm a feeler and I feel feelings from other people. So I try not, I don't like confrontation, but in this position, right. I, I have to say I've been blessed with uh, the, the means to purchase this podcast equipment. I've been blessed with um, the relationships I've had in the past and the one I have with Sam and the knowledge that we both are able to, you know, iron sharpens iron, stuff like that. Right. So, um, I think, you know, it's a calling on, on my life and, and Sam's as well in, in this point of our lives to do this podcast. And the whole point is to equip you with the truth, you know, show you um, where, where there are lies, where there are not lies, what's false prophecy, what, it, you know, all that stuff. So I would I would be not doing um, what I what I feel feel God is leading me to do by not trying to hurt your feelings. So I, I, I like to preface what I'm saying with I'm not trying to hurt you, but at the same time. I'm not going to sit there and play this game of, I think this is right. When I do not, yeah. I don't think it's right yeah. at all. And, and scripturally speaking and logically speaking, there's no evidence to suggest this works. Right. You know? Well, and experientially, it also doesn't work. For the people who believe it, yeah. it doesn't work. Well, right? it's yeah. only worked for the ones that are on TV saying, send me your money. Right? Help me buy the next plane. Yeah. Right? It, I guess it's worked for them. But is it really faith that's worked for them or right. is it them being able to kind of manipulate it so that everybody else is trusting by sending their money that somehow they'll and you don't you don't it no. doesn't it doesn't pay the dividends that they claim it will. And every single person who might hold to this, I would say, well, where's your prosperity end yeah. to this here are, are are you driving the fancy car or living in the fancy house none of them are yeah well you're none not the ones buying are. the six million dollar plane Kenneth Copeland right is, right you know and, and he's using your money to do it well even you know? even even the people like closer down that we would be talking to are also still like living paycheck to paycheck yeah pretty much and so the, pe the people that I break. see as far as far as being blessed and prospering the people that I know that are being blessed are not necessarily uh, clinging to this desperate idea of prosperity gospel. They, so the, these people that I'm talking about are some of the most innocent, some of the most genuine, well-convicted in the Holy Spirit people that I've seen in my life. And I, I can say I, I think they're being blessed because they're living out the way they're supposed to, and that's that's their uh, their plan. It's, it's God's will. But most of the people that I see that are like, oh, I think checks are coming in the mail stuff. And that is a direct quote from from some of these people that I've seen. I'm, checks are in the mail. You stand up and say checks in the mail. Like, you're not getting checks in the mail. No. You're getting bills. No. Well, Your debt's you, piling you, up. You, you, know? might, you might get another stimulus, but do we really want that? You know, well, and there's that's another the side to that, that the piper's going to come calling on those. We don't, haven't hit tax season yet. Don't, don't blame... Um, the stimulus on your prosperity gospel yeah. because it's not been working for 20 and, years. You know, it's showing up now because of a pandemic. I can't, I can't be like, eh, that's not God. No, nobody, God. nobody's getting rich on their stimulus. Yeah. Nobody's going to get rich on their unemployment. Right. Right. That's like bare essentials. And quite honestly, again, Half of a mortgage. 
That's what th- it is. I think that's going to come back again and, and bite us later. Somebody's going to demand back the money that they've given you. I hope not. Well, I, so I've do I. Before, I, really, I, I really just don't wrong. believe the government's going to you know, play that game. So wishing for the check to come means also wishing for the follow-up to that, whatever that that might be. Yeah. So I wouldn't even I wouldn't even put that wish out there, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I believe it matters. I don't matter I don't think it matters what wishes you put out there. Now, whatever spawns you to motivate you to do what you need to do, right? The the people that uh, aren't living paycheck to paycheck are usually the people that have been better at like not spending their whole paycheck. Yeah. They've been a little more frugal and willing to save and willing to uh, sacrifice in other areas. Um, well, they, they, they also tithe. They, they've uh, invested in their education. I'll, I'll point out they also tithe. And that's not specifically me jumping off the bandwagon and be like, oh, if you tithe, you'll get a bunch of money back. That's not what that means. But I think somebody who is able to successfully save their money and budget it out to where they can afford to tithe 10% of their income, mm-hmm. that means they're smart and wise with their money. They're doing what the Bible says, where they're not just burying their one talent and leaving it for five years and then, oh, I kept it nice and safe for you. Yeah. Like they're actually actively pursuing... Um, you know, they're, they're using logic. That's the thing is God did not design us to just be like, oh, we should only be spiritual and feeling. And that's it. Like he, he gave us a brain. He gave us intellect, logic, reasoning. We've got all of that. And if we can use it, then we can grow our own wealth. We don't have to sit there and be like, oh God, shower me with a bag of money, uh, because I'm living in a trailer and can't get out of it. Like that's not how it works. Yeah. It's not going to show up out of the sky. You have to be smart. You know, and using your brain and using intelligence is something that God's already given you. Again, God God doesn't want from us our prosperity or want for us our prosperity or necessarily our happiness. That's another thing, uh, one of the lies that we believe in. God expects our holiness, Yeah. right? And that can come at the cost of prosperity. That can come at the cost of happiness. It, it may take stripping some prosperity and happiness in order to reach holiness. Um, or you might be able to reach holiness and still have things like, you know, um, not living paycheck to paycheck and the means to, uh, uh, to, to give uh, more. Yeah, I don't want anything I say to be construed against the idea of giving. Definitely give. Give your tithe. That's important. I believe yeah. that's important. Um, that I, I don't know uh, as far as the promises of that necessarily like, okay, I gave my 10%. That means that they're not going to cut off my electricity this month. They may still cut off your electricity this right. month. Well, and this is the thing. There is so, you know, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, uh, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That does not mean prosper in the way we think it means. Yeah. Always. Yeah. That could, and, and that's the thing is it's everything is in accordance with God's will. So if it is God's will for me to be a homeless bum so that I can reach homeless bums, then so be it. I'm going to be prospered in the fact that I'm doing God's will. I'm helping other people come to Christ. And then in the future, when we, when we, we die and we go to heaven, I've got a place reserved. That's the future plans to prosper us. Yeah. You know, I, I don't necessarily think that's, you know, I have plans to make you rich and drive a Rolls Royce, you know? Well, and that makes the prize wealth. That makes right. the prize um, health. And that's not ever, that never was the prize. Right. Um, prize is always just a relationship and uh, with God. And 
to have that, you have to be holy. One has to be holy to be in the presence of holiness. So um, that that's the prize, ultimately. We're not ever promised wealth or or any of that because we don't really know how all that will work in a new world. Yeah. Right. You know, we think in terms of um, God being one who will pay, pay back well, what we're willing to invest in this world. He'll pay back well in the next. That's kind of one of the promises of scripture, but that's in the next. That's not like, right. Because you're willing to give today that tomorrow you're going to see that check arrive in the mail. That's like, you're willing to give today. And then at some point, like in the next world, you will see results right. from that. And and he he may pay that well, but that that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to come in monetary form. Right. Well, that's the thing is the word prosper, we have to we have to get to this point where we can understand that the word prosper and then that, in that same sentence the word harm, those are not um or sorry, those are completely relative terms, right? Relative to the author, relative to God, relative to you, and you have to understand when he says prosper. Well, we we define prosper as whatever. We, I could prosper in a video game, and that's not going to help me in the real world at all. I could prosper financially. I could prosper with my health. I could prosper in gluttony. Yeah, you know what I mean. Or in greed, I could prosper if I'm if I'm trying to steal money from people and I do a good job. I'm prospering. Right, right. It's all completely relative. So we have to um, yank our own uh, meanings off of the term and then try to look at the bigger picture and scale it back. When he's talking about prosper you, he's not he's not necessarily saying I'm going to make sure that you know you've got uh, heating and air conditioning and cozy slippers. There are some right. pastors that do incredible work that are more dedicated and faithful that live in third world countries that don't have AC and clean water. Right. I'm sorry. Is that guy yeah. prospering? Yeah, probably not to our standards. Right. But in the kingdom of heaven, he's 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 doing better than and, I'm doing. And you better believe he's not. You know, going into that um, shell, uh, uh, construction shell of a of a church built with what we would essentially call parts of other construction projects. Yeah. Right. Their churches are made out of the leftovers, so to speak. He's right. not walking into that probably on a dirt floor telling his people what they need to do if they want to prosper financially is give him money. No. <laughs> right? You know, they, those buildings are probably made with used nails. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's nothing new about that building at all. Right. You know, right. Unless, and, unless we do a mission work, which is the, the David Jameses of the world that we, we love so much that right. are doing that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, they're, they're not, they're not like in these fancy palaces. They're not in this like 50,000 seat you know, Joel Osteen, <laughs> right. You know, sanctuary. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a big church, but we, we can't be convincing, uh, God's there. There's something wrong with having a big church. If having a big church is the whole point and goal. Yeah. You have a big church, you've accomplished big church and your whole point was to create this big, big church and that that equals big, you know, pocketbook. And that's, and that has nothing to do with, um, the actual cause of what the church is there for. Yeah. You know, you having a big church should mean having a big hospital, mm-hmm. right? And, and having the means to reach a larger community of people with those resources, a community that will need what the hospital has to offer. Um, if having the big church is not the hospital, then yeah, it's, that's missed the point altogether. Right. And honestly, it capitalizes on, uh, people who need a hospital, 
but they're not, they're getting duped into something else. They're not going right. to a hospital. Right. They're going to a place where they're going to tithe and hope to get something back when they desperately need it and they're not going to get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, you're not, go- you need a hospital, but you're going somewhere else. Going to the casino. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. That's a good way to look at it. The, the church has become the casino. Yeah. And that's, I was actually making this comment to uh, Carson, our pastor. I think I may have said it to you at some point. Or maybe maybe somebody else I can't remember, but um, it's it's interesting to me how the biggest faces and it's scary too. The biggest faces of Christianity in the world are oftentimes the ones who are not representing us the right way or the way we should be represented. Mm-hmm. Like you look at the Joel Osteens, Kenneth Copelands, Carl Lentz now, and, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend to know Carl Lentz's personal situation or his heart. But I know I've seen some uh, videos of him for, from a couple of years back where he's like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to just be like you and me. We're not trying to be yeah. all whatever. Yeah, there was some and compromise he's like, there. Well, he's like, Way before the marital stuff, there were compromises right. and I, in other and, we, and several people knew it, you know, and that's the thing. I, I, I recognized it I knew it, it right went away. on Oprah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I recognize like, yeah. it. I was like, this this guy is like, he's like saying, oh, I wear the same clothes as everyday person. And then I look at him head to toe. I'm like, that that whole outfit is at least five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. There's no way, I, I, dude. I don't. My whole wardrobe's <laughs> but, but not five thousand. It doesn't look like it's five thousand dollars. <laughs> looks like well, it's it, like all torn it, up. And yeah, stuff. yeah, exactly. You've uh, got <laughs> holes put there on purpose, and the right. jeans are still but like. Then he gets put on the spot and asked about abortion and asked about gay marriage, and he completely collapses. Yeah. Just gives in and says, you know what, we'll just look at that as an individual basis. You know, I, I need to know your situation before I can say you're sinning. It's like, dude, what the heck, man? Yeah. And then it's the same with uh, the Lauren Daigle. She she was on, uh, I think, Ellen, maybe. Maybe it was Ellen. It was some, she was on a bigger show, and somebody asked her, you know, how do you feel about, like, what's the Bible say about gay marriage? You know, is that a sin? And, and she's like, you know, I really don't know the answer. And honestly, if anybody does, come on, come tell me. It's like... What are you talking the about? Bible. Like, you don't have to sit there and be like, yeah. I hate gay people and it's wrong. You can say, I love everybody. However, the scriptures say are what clear. they say. Yeah. And they're very clear on this context. Yeah. Which, mind you, brings us to, you know, another point like the, about about the uh, uh, the pedophilia or whatever. Like, people um, try to say homosexuality now. They're, this big trend uh, on the internet where they're saying that the root uh, of the homosexuality wasn't actually originally in the Bible and that somebody stuffed it in there, but truly they were just talking about pedophilia. And it's like, oh, there's a lot of verses that, that no. go against that. Not to mention, right. there's, they, they, had, they had that as a separate thing too. Yeah. You know, they're but, saying pedophilia is bad as well as yeah. Like th- there's a lot of stuff. It's a whole spectrum. We don't, we don't need to convolute the answer with, you know, trying to, that's the thing is you see like um, pastors on TikTok will show up now. I've, I've seen this and they're like, they're wearing like a uh, priest garb and like that little collar, the mm-hmm. white collar, instead of it being white, it's a rainbow. And they're, they're jumping on there, but like, don't let somebody, you know, scare you into thinking you're going to hell for being gay. And it's like, well, first off, I've never one time been like, Hey, you're going to go to hell if you're gay. But second off, like you don't need to sit there and confuse them into thinking I said that. Right. And then also misleading them at the same time. Right. Let's have a real conversation about it. You know, one, one that spreads love. It's interesting. Well, the way real, real relationships and real conversations are always more complicated yeah. than that. It's a lot easier to just create the straw man, which is what we've all <laughs> yeah. you know grown yeah, accustomed yeah. to. The straw man Christian. Yeah. That guy who wants to beat all the gay people. <laughs> <sighs> Give me a break, guys. 
I mean, people are more complex than you, that. You, you can find them. They exist, yeah, but they're yeah. small. It's like, <laughs> exactly. it's like the neo-Nazi groups or right. like true racists or true sexists. Like there, yeah. there's always going to be somebody there yeah, hiding yeah. behind this little whatever in the woods. Individually, not institutionally. Yeah, yeah exactly. And there'll be individuals out there who are that, that nutty and that predictable and that uncomplicated. But most of us are more complicated and more nuanced than that. It's like the, so, uh, um, what is it, the, the uh, yeah, the white entitlement or the male entitlement and the male privilege, stuff like that, where, like, um, men own the most money in the world or something like that in the U.S., but it's actually you're using, like, a small, like, 1% of the top ownership of money to, to like, judge the rest of men who are all in the same playing field as, you you know, a very small percentage to, uh, to justify your your means mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever it is that you're trying to and, claim. And who, who pushes this, this theory the most Oprah, the right. woman who's got more money than, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you yeah. know, makes a million dollars an episode exactly. or something ridiculous. So give me a break yeah. here, people. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the ideals of the prosperity gospel, um, rightly so get a lot of, uh, criticism from the Orthodox, from, from the true belief, um, because when it comes down to it, a full understanding of Scripture, and if you're being taught a full understanding of Scripture, the, just, that promise just doesn't exist, that yeah. God ultimately is going for your health and your wealth. It, it's not there. Well, um, we, live, we live in a corrupt world. Yeah. It's been corrupt by sin. Like, it's after Adam and Eve made the sin, the first, you know, the first sin she bears, you know, childbirth pains, you know, they're the, they've got to pull weeds and stuff up. They're getting stabbed by vines and thorns and all that stuff. You know, uh, the Cain and Abel story where greed takes over. Like it's, it, we are now inherently evil. We have inherent sin. And, and the, the goal now is not to live comfortably in a world. since we're not supposed to be of the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To prosper, uh, to prosper in the world is to be that way. Now that's not to say it's bad to be rich. I mean, if you are rich, you know, use that to help. That's like a, the Dave Ramsey thing where he talks about like his last baby step in his, uh, baby step program or whatever, getting out of debt is like you give like crazy or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. you're supposed to be, be doing that. So there's not it's wrong giving to be rich. sacrificially. Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, that's, that's the, Again, with your your Dave Ramsey's too, the way they go about it isn't because they put good thoughts out into the world. Yeah, right. He has he's a business mind. He has a business plan. He he does a whole lot on in in the world of real estate. Yeah, which are just generally, if you do that well, good investments. Mm-hmm. If you've got the means to do that, and he teaches people how to first get themselves out of debt, stop living paycheck to paycheck, and then start saving to the point of where you can invest where the real money is, which is in real estate, which, which is not really like he wants you to build wealth, but that's the thing. Any of the videos that I've watched, I mean, I've watched a lot of his videos. I've listened, listened to a lot of his stuff. Um, he's never like trying to get you on the get rich quick scheme. He's not about that. Yeah. It's a long game. Yeah. It's a long game. And his, his main focus is to get you to stop acting like a child and, and doing what feels good, which is something he says all the time. Right. It's his, that's his goal. So like to look at, um, Dave Ramsey as a, as an example of somebody who does have a bunch of money, but also is living out a proper Christian life. You you can use him as that example because, um, he's, he's spreading around ideas that are good 
while at the same time living out what he's preaching and then giving you this end goal of once you get here, you're not supposed to be a selfish jerk. You're supposed to give it away. You can afford yourself a nice vacation and that's okay for all the years that you put into working on this, but you're supposed to be you know, helping the church and helping missionaries and doing yeah. things that, uh, helping people who can't afford it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, um, ultimately if, if the, uh, gospel is designed to bring us to a point of, um, prosperity and health and wealth, then it's problematic in that it also talks an awful lot about the, uh, the martyr mm. and, um, the particular, um, I guess, reward that is awaiting the martyr, right? Somebody who's willing to give everything, even their life for the sake of the cause. Um, that's not prosperity. That's the opposite. In, in, uh, yeah. In, in our, right. Yeah. And, and the, the, the Bible gospel speaks very highly of the martyr and then shows it by example. If prosperity gospel is true, then how come that's not where Paul ended up? That's not where Peter ended up. That's not where any of the disciples ended. That's not where Jesus ended, right? That they all ended in as the martyr instead. Right. Right. So it's just, it flies in the face. Uh, It's a complete opposite. It's about, about face in the direction one ought to be going uh, in terms of what you're seeking in this and seeking holiness, not seeking Wealth, and yeah. If if wealth comes because you follow the Dave Ramsey plan, excellent. You know, I'm all for that too. But that's not because you put the thoughts out there, or because you believed strong enough, or yeah. that God somehow rewarded you because of your faith. Right? That that's just the nature of being wise and how you spend your money. And well, you even know, then, it may not happen for you. But believe it or not, actually, you you, will, you look at it. It's like using the um, using like the commandments and stuff in the Bible. Like what what we're taught, like with specifically with the talents, right? We're taught to use our mind and our intellect to succeed. We're mm-hmm. not taught that. Uh, if I hold my talent in the ground and then I pray that another talent will show up. Right. Right. That's the opposite. So, so we're looking at two things here, you know, so technically from the prosperity gospel standpoint, they're saying scriptures is used to to back up. uh, I believe checks are in the mail and then money shows up out of nowhere. God God is a genie. However, the scripture does tell us if we follow scripture, we can be successful financially. Not necessarily that we will. The promise isn't there for that. But I find it very interesting how in in the one aspect people say, if you follow scripture, then money will show up. And that's wrong. But really, if you follow scripture, money will show up if you do it right. Yeah. And there's no promise, but you see what I'm saying If you're utilizing, yeah, it's not, that's the thing. It's not, it's not a promise. It's no guarantee. It's, It's a general good principle that if you're wise about your spending and in the case of the um the talents where uh someone had an investment and they invested Mm -hmm. they used that and were able to grow that investment um it's uh potential in this day and age that you've got the means to invest you invest and you lose it all too yeah right people are losing their their retirements their 401ks and all of that stuff uh that also happens, or it just hits a point where you could um, do better with, um, I know of, of one person that was saying that the market was in such a bad shape here coming to the end of uh, uh, 2020 that they uh, took quite a bit out of 
the market so that instead they could put it into some real estate stuff. Yeah. Because they figured they were aware of uh, a property that became available in a neighborhood that was generally fairly healthy and, you know, potentially could be good uh, uh, as a uh, rental income. Mm -hmm. And they invested instead in that direction, right? And, you know, we'll see with this coming year whether or not that investment pays off. But it was a wise choice given that the market's not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, to try this instead. So, you know, being being wise about how you spend your money and use your resources, that's also scriptural. Yeah. Um, and that that can lead to a bigger payout, that's also scriptural. But that doesn't promise anything. Right. Right. We're never promised that the check's in the mail. In fact, I think the opposite. The um, what you're promised is if you go out there and you do the work, the investment, you essentially put the check in the mail yourself. Yeah. That the investment um, pays off then. Yeah. So, well, and that's the thing is, uh, well, sorry. Now, this brings me to another point. So here's this other point that I, I was kind of wanting to get to. Um, I believe, and this is like, you can think what you want. I don't, you know, I believe there is a point where it's too late for everybody. Like, uh, not, not too late to, to, you know, be accepted into heaven and, and to have the grace of God and mercy and all that stuff. That's not what I mean, but I'm talking about financially and, uh, physically, there is a point where it's too late. For instance, if you spend 40 years of your life eating the worst food you possibly can and indulging, you're going to do permanent damage to your body. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking like the pancreatic cancer, stomach cancer, colon cancer, whatever you want to call it, smoking cigarettes until you're 60 years old you're going to hit a point eventually that's irreversible damage, right? And to then uh, take that irreversible damage and be like, well, I'm going to send this up to God and he's going to heal me. One, he could, but two, if yeah. he doesn't, you can't, right. You can't know what hold I mean? it against him. You can't hold it against him. Um, get angry about it. Right. So I, that's one, that's one of those points I kind of wanted to, to bring up as well is um, there's a lot of people uh, that do the prosperity gospel thing that are in these really bad health problems and, and then they get mad at God because they didn't get their their payout right but that's the thing is we're not promised that right we're promised a, a place in heaven if we and, do what we're and supposed then they're to do, told but. by the people they trust these teachers that they didn't get their payout because their faith wasn't strong enough right that the payout was there they just weren't the faith wasn't no the payout wasn't there and and what this leads you, to <laughs> this this leads to a potential um loss of people in the faith yeah. where these people that are coming to Christ and they accept, that's the thing. They, they do what they're, what's required of them for heaven. Like they believe in Jesus that he died, you know, they accept him as their savior and live for him. Right. But all, all in the same while in the same breath, they're being taught as well. We have command over illness and pain and whatever, which I mean, biblically speaking, we, we did it at some, some point or we might, we may still, but, um, so much so to the point where you see that person that's in a wheelchair that has pancreatic cancer because they ate cheeseburgers until they were 45 years old. Uh, now they're on their deathbed and that person who's kind of younger in the faith then goes to them and says, well, I have the faith. I really do. And they really believe it. Like that's the thing. You can't take that from them. They really do. And they go to heal this person. It doesn't happen. The person dies. 
and then that person's like, okay, this hasn't, this has got to be fake. Then I can't, I can't follow along with this. Yeah, and they no. leave. No, the reality that of happens. It, yeah, it has happened. And the and the reality of it is, you can be the person that didn't eat cheeseburgers until they were forty five. You can make they, that decision. That were living, that were living a healthy life and had good nutrition and all that, and 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 still woke up one day with an odd pain that you went and had checked oh, out yeah. and find out that it's pancreatic cancer. And regardless of what you you do or say or how much faith you have, ultimately that kills you. Yeah. Um that that is not a strike against God. That's just the nature of the world we live in. Right. You can be somebody who uses their mind and their intellect their entire life um for the sake of the kingdom and raising up people who will be uh wise and and good counselors and um uh, a, a teacher among teachers and then at some point parkinson's comes in and strips you of your entire intellect yeah. and and you're left a shell that your family has to take care of i watch this happen every day it it has nothing to do with faith at that point or a lack of faith at that point um, and it doesn't have to do with some grand payout scheme that because somebody did good, they're going to get good. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Um, do good because you should do good, because that's the right thing to do, regardless of what kind of rewards await you in this lifetime, right? Because we're not promised anything in this lifetime. If there's one thing this whole trial with my father has taught me, Man, that's real clear. Yeah. You, you don't necessarily, you're not promised a better tomorrow, regardless of how well you do today. You just do today well because that's what you're supposed to do. And yeah. you move on, you know? And you don't hold it against God when tomorrow sucks, even though you did good today. You know, it's not God's fault in right. that in that instance. Um, if anything, God is there even more with you, striving through those struggles, and and uh, that's that sense that that we talked. We did a whole um, uh, podcast on that incarnation, mm -hmm. the idea that God left the throne of heaven to come down and live life as one of us, and kind of experience some of the stuff we go through. And He didn't live life in a palace. He lived right. life essentially as a, a a a teacher, a wandering teacher who didn't have a place of his own. Right. Right? Um, he, he didn't have this grand um, uh, existence that was full of prosperity. That wasn't the example he left us, but he, he left us a, a legacy of relationship. That's what Jesus was, leaving heaven to come to earth in order to have a relationship and to go through the same crap we go through mm -hmm. and, and understand that struggle. Um, so that that's, I think, probably why I won't pull the punch when it comes to prosperity gospel. Yeah. Because I see the opposite of it yeah. every day. And, and know the truth to be that it was still correct, that there wasn't some failing on the part of myself or um, my parents um, mm -hmm. in, in where they've ended up at this stage in their life, that that was what was going to be. Yeah. And, and there's no changing in that. And, and <laughs> no one's at fault for it, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be as kind 
yeah. about that when people come at me with this whole like you just need to put good thoughts out there philosophy um you need to just believe the checks in the mail I'm like honey that check ain't coming yeah right the 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 the, ch- the check in this in this well, the, there is no check in this the truth of it is that we we move on we we uh persevere regardless of the fact of whatever situation we find ourselves in yeah because it's the right thing to do and that's all we have right uh jesus didn't give us any promises of prosperity and we don't see that in the lives of the disciples and so, you know, when they when they talk about some of these passages, like the ask, seek, and knock, mm-hmm. um, and the door will be open, those are all like promises for a relationship. Yeah. It has nothing to do with ask for the new car, right. ask for the bigger house, ask for... Um, the or I mean, ask for your you ask for your electricity yeah. and not be yeah go ahead pray for that if your electricity is going to get shut off pray for it who knows there well, there might be some some sometimes God does step in financially and and pull you out of a bind right? it hap- no it, it that it that, that very real can happen but if it doesn't that doesn't mean that God's not real. Yeah, and and we right. can't we can't expect just because it does happen that that's just the way it works for everything. Yeah, that, that's that's another part too because you you get in these big mega churches where they're teaching this stuff, and four or five people in the congregation are like, oh, I haven't paid my mortgage in three months, and they're going to take my house, and then that rich donor goes, I got this, and they go ahead and pay it, right? Yeah, that's not because the prosperity gospel worked. It's just because that person was told to give. And you all were in the right situation. Yeah. We can't now look at that one situation and be like, now this this uh, result is what's to be expected if we put our hearts in the right place for all of the scenarios. Yeah. We can't make that assumption. I mean, that's just simply not the case. Because once again, as I've said a hundred times before, um, it might be God's will for you to be a homeless bum. Like, I, I don't... I don't wish that on anybody, but I mean, that might just be the case. Yeah. You may be, uh, may, may be on Jeff Street. That might be your home for six, seven months so that you can preach to the guys that are in there that don't have food and, and they're at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. They can see somebody else that's at the same position and be like, I still believe in Christ and there's going to be something better in the next world. Or if that's what it took in order to get your attention, that your holiness doesn't come with comforts. Yeah. Right. Holiness is something that's completely apart from comforts. Um, and, and wealth and all the comforts that wealth brings. Uh, one of the other passages that they talk about, the ask, seek, and knock was a big one, but uh, there, there's the uh, passage about, um, um, yeah, it's in the same section, given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Um, but that's the same section, again, that's following up with this idea of the ask, seek, and knock, that it's, it's a relational thing. It's not um, the uh, how much how much Christ can you put into a situation? Well, there's not a point where there's too much. Yeah. Right. Um, and and in that aspect, that you can have an abundance of joy even if you find yourself on Jeff Street. You know that that we're not limited in that. Um, the there's the. Uh, Tithe, bring the tithe into the storehouse, Malachi chapter 3. Um, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me now in this, 
says Yahweh of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that shall you shall not have room enough for. So um, that the the place there where you know um, in scripture uh, we're given permission to test God in the realm of our giving. There, there's that you know that there won't be any limitations there in what the rewards are for what we're willing to give. But again, that doesn't come with this idea of when Malachi is talking, and you look at the entire book of Malachi, he's not necessarily talking about just life as on this side of reality again, right? The, the, uh, st- the windows of heaven and the blessing that, that pours out may not very well come in this lifetime, that, that blessing may come as a result of what you were willing to sacrificially give, but it would come after you've lived this life, right? That, uh, again, God's storehouse is full, and he's got plenty of blessings to give, but that doesn't necessarily mean they fall in this lifetime, right? right? Um, nonetheless, I think that's a good test to it. Be willing to give so sacrificially in that regard um, that that you you're you're almost saying okay you know let's let's see how much blessing God can re, re, uh, reciprocate with, um, but again that reciprocation you're you need to be thinking the long game and by long game I mean not beyond your lifetime yeah right um, well because isn't that the ultimate blessing yeah it, it, ultimate God, blessing God God's be, got eternity yeah to pour out blessings. We don't. I, I could be blessed with like a check. I could be blessed with a better house or a car, but I mean, isn't the ultimate blessing going to be the fact that when I die and I get judged, I still have a place I can sit with God. I can be with God yeah. in the new earth. You there's, know? there's an eternity there. So, so the, there's problematic in building a whole theology on these couple of passages anyway. Yeah. Um, most of them are, are lending to the fact that God is someone who grants good things and good blessings. That much is very true. Um, everything that he knows is good and all that he is is good, so we can expect good from him. But the timing on that is um, is in his time, and his time is not the same as ours. Again, also he's within eternal. his will, too. Yeah, within his will and within his time, <laughs> then yeah, you, you've got to be thinking in terms of much longer than than what you're expecting, right. um, particularly if you're expecting a return, a check in the mail, or whatever Joel Steen's told you to expect. Um, that's not how that works. Right. Now, I've got, uh, I think you've got Deuteronomy 28. Mm-hmm. Is it, were you reading any of that as well? Uh, Is that part of what you were reading? Because I know it talks That's about- part of the tithe. It's got it's got stuff in it about uh well it's blessings for obedience but in it somewhere it talks about storehouses as well I don't know if what you were reading oh, here oh no no out of Malachi yeah uh, no that's different but, th- but this whole chapter talks about being obedient and how you're you're gonna get you know if you you know he'll bless you with you know your fields will have plenty of rain your stocks will be healthy stuff like that um sometimes I tend to look at this one as more of a not necessarily an analogy but more of an analogy. Like if you had to put it in a spectrum of like it's an analogy for your blessings in life or past li- uh, past your current life, um, it's not necessarily a full-on analogy, but it's not necessarily a full-on physical promise, Yeah. so so to speak. And I didn't necessarily know your opinions on Deut- Deuteronomy 28 because well, I know it's often I th- used. I think, too, um, 
that when you're looking at uh, Old Testament as the the people that were part of God's covenant and being set apart uh, saw a uh, a certain blessings that the rest of the world would look at um, and and understand those as financial wealth, right? There's the idea that um, uh, Joseph finds himself a prisoner in Egypt and um, is by grace of God given the audience with Pharaoh. And because Pharaoh listens to Joseph, things start going better for Egypt, right? It's often that there's a financial blessing that comes when uh, even a foreign nation is favorable to the uh, covenant community of God. So Egypt does well because Pharaoh listens to Joseph. And Egypt does well as long as uh, they're treating the Israelites well, but eventually that switches, right? And they, they stop treating uh, Israel so well, start treating them as slaves, start seeing them as um, uh, some, something that is a threat because another thing that was happening in those blessings were their families were getting big, their population was growing. So eventually the Israelites outnumber the Egyptians, and they see that as a danger. So at that point, they're going to enslave them instead. There was still a lot of wealth that was being built. So these outside nations are looking at, is there a benefit to um, the covenant community of God? Well, yeah, there was some financial benefits there as they came even out of Egypt and into the promised land, and that land thrived, and their families thrived as long as they were following the will of God, right? Um that had a, t- a time stamp to it because eventually they start worshiping foreign gods. So foreign nations come in and take them over. And then they're taken out of their homes and, and uh, brought into foreign lands and have to live there. And then they might, uh, in some cases, they might start thriving even in those foreign lands if they turn their hearts back toward God. Right, So ultimately, in the Old Testament, you can sometimes see, and again, this didn't necessarily happen in one lifetime. This is now, for Jewish people, they're thinking more in terms of the covenant community of God being that, a whole community and the lifetimes of that community. So rather than look at an individual Jewish household or Jewish family, they would consider the entire Jewish nation. And as a whole, the Jewish nation would be doing very well when they were in the land of Israel, when they were following the precepts of God, before they started following foreign gods and worshiping foreign idols, right? And when they're dragged away into foreign lands uh, two or three separate times, eventually even in those foreign lands, they might start thriving. If again, they start rejecting those foreign idols and start being true to um, their God, but that's the community as a whole mm. starts doing well, not one particular individual necessarily. Right. Right. So we tend to think more individualistically. Like I not, think that has to do with our own selfishness, yeah, to be honest. Not corporately, not as a, a whole community of God. How are we doing? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you might be able to step back once upon a time, generations ago, and step back and say, as a whole, America was generally a Christian nation, yeah. and it was doing very well. Even now, we are doing well in terms of how far the American dollar goes, and, and that's because we're coming from generations of 
um, I, I think what would be the prosperity of generations of our faith yeah. kind of playing itself out, the blessings of generations of those that faith. We're seeing now kind of a great, the opposite of a great awakening. Right. Going the other direction, starting to kind reject those. Kind of a, dark, those. Darkness is yeah, a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Start, start to worship the foreign gods again, and we'll see what happens, you know, with the uh, coming years and generations. And Once again, you know, right by the time you all are listening to this, you, you may know who the next president actually is. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We, we don't necessarily We're know We're not yet, promised but. anything. Today's the 31st, so. Yeah. Uh, and and when you're when you're thinking individually, so in, when you're looking at Old Testament stuff, a lot of time they're talking about a, a communal, a promise to the community there that God would increase their community, and that blessing doesn't just come financially. That blessing comes like in their families growing, right? Mm-hmm. And their families getting bigger. Um, when we move into New Testament, uh, that that doesn't necessarily go away, but some of the uh, changes therein is the um, relational aspect of it does, rather than it just becoming communal now, it, it, there is a little more individualistic, like you have a relationship with Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus. That's a one-on-one, rather than God has kind of established a relationship with the community at large, right? Now it's an individual one-to-one relationship so we start to think in terms of God's blessings also being one-to-one, right. but we apply passages from the Old Testament, which were not one-to-one, but God to the community, Yeah, right? And that's the problem there. So you can't expect what you read in you know, um, and Deuteronomy yeah, yeah. about the blessings that come when the, the company at large, when the, the whole community turns toward God um, to then be true in your own individual life just because you turn towards God, right? In fact, it may be that if you turn towards God, the most blessing you see is the blessing that, you know, like you get out of uh, um, your your lot. In the case where uh, Abraham's asking, like, if, if I go into this city and I can find 10 righteous people, Will you still destroy it? <laughs> right? It, yeah. Well, if I can find five righteous people, will you still destroy it? Well, let's say I just find one. Abraham had a pretty good idea of the city he was about to walk into. Yeah. And what it looked like. If if I can find one, will you still spare the city? Right? It may be that the blessing, the most blessing you get by you turning to God, God doesn't destroy <laughs> everything yeah. around right. you. You know, you've managed to, uh, other people will will uh, survive what otherwise would have been their own destruction on account of you. Um, that might be the extent of it, right? That might be the most blessing sometimes we can hope for. Um, but, but that in and of itself would be a blessing, you know, even if you're the only righteous one in the entire city. Be the righteous one in the entire city, yeah. Or get out of Dodge because that place is <laughs> fires coming down, you know. Yeah. Which which leads me into you know whole other areas of how everyone's leaving California. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's save that for another episode. Why are they all leaving California right now? Even the liberals are leaving yeah. California. Well, because you can't because it's not being managed. Right. Well, I think that draws us to an end. Um, 
Look, yeah, don't 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 expect checks in the mail if you say checks in the mail. It's not it's not based off of what you say. It's it's based off of what God's will is. Seek out God's will and seek a relationship with Christ, and you'll be blessed and joyful for it. Yeah, you and in in that blessing, not necessarily coming as a check, right? But the blessing coming and understanding that your holiness is actually what's um, that's the prize. And that holiness will be achieved by whatever measure it takes. That can come either by, you know, you you maintain your holiness as God blesses you. And yeah, um, you do have the harvest sort of come in, so to speak, to use that, that sort of language. It is possible, like Dave Ramsey, the harvest could come in and your holiness still increase. That I hope that'd be the case mm-hmm. for, you know, everybody. But it's also entirely possible that um, in order to reach your holiness, you have to be stripped of some of these comforts Um, because ultimately that's the goal is holiness, not your health, not your happiness, not your uh, prosperity. None of that stuff is what the gospel is about. I I guess a last point maybe just touching on what you just said. Uh, being stripped is how you become holy. I mean, and that might be, it may not just be a temporary, that might be permanent because maybe the type of person that you are when you're comfortable isn't a good person. Yeah. Maybe it's too much of a temptation. So therefore it's just better to not have it at all, you know? But anyways, um, thank you all for listening. Uh, once again, like we said in the previous episode, this episode as well, we are going to get that website up. We're going to get some t-shirts out there. Um, if you like this podcast, uh, share it with your friends and family on Facebook. We are on Facebook, also on uh, Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, and a whole slew of other ones that I just don't feel like mentioning right now. Um, yeah, once again, this is Thomas. And I'm Sam. And this has been the Silent Planet Podcast. We will catch you all next week.